Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Let the Good Dice Roll. I am uh, Brendan and I am joined with... Christina! So tonight we've been kind of hyping this uh, this episode up a little bit as we discuss um, something that is really, really troubling uh, that, that happens uh, sometimes in gaming groups. And it is the tech... It is the thuggery that happens during high-stakes esports fighting game tournaments. I don't know if I would quite phrase it that way, but sure. <laughs> oh, I was I was just trying to just go completely off topic and see if I could get like a what the fuck are you talking about reaction? No, it would not. We're we're talking about a really bad session of Exalted. Also, uh last recording, I was incorrect about something. Because I didn't pay attention to my dates that I had on here. I thought this session was six pages long, and I realized it's only like three, and the other session's like three. So we're actually going to get through two sessions tonight, hopefully. We won't sit and rant too much about this particular session. Hopefully we didn't hype it up too uh, much. You say that we're not going to sit through this particular, we're not going to rant about this particular session, but we'll see. I'm going to rant. We'll see. Uh, but I just hope we didn't like hype it up and like... Uh, trash talk it too much the last go around. <laughs> so what I'm going to try and do is uh, not interject unless, of course, I really need to about something and then save a lot of my comments about the first session that we're going to get to until... Well, you see this little section I have right here? I know everybody else can't, but you can. Yeah, so let unless... me get to that stuff right here and then we can talk about that. Okay, so we're going to get through... That's the first argument debate. Okay, so we're going to get through up to the first argument debate, and then we can have a little bit of a chat about it. Yeah, it's not very much. It's like a fourth of a page through, third of a page. Okay, like so that. if you'd like to start us off then. Okay, so this one starts on a Sunday. It's, <coughs> excuse me, uh, April 2nd, 2017. And for this one, we had all our players there. Uh, Visionary returns, and we have our feast time part three. We were decided to request something that's vegetarian, considering the last time it was about human hearts. That's what we got fed. Uh, and Percy wants meat, but not human hearts. Hasn't Visionary bit not been there every single time that he... Shit, I said I wasn't going to comment. That's fine. I was just going to let you go. Uh, Tally and Storm are perfectly fine. Well, Tally's fine with the hearts. Storm doesn't really care. And Behemoth is willing to just accept it. So this is this is literally just the very beginning of the session. And then it devolves into so much debate and arguing about whether eating hearts is okay. And in doing that, we got a little bit of a history lesson like about solar history and stuff along those lines concerning human hearts and things of that nature. But there was so much debate bait on this particular topic just starting the session out and it was very split storm behemoth and talisman were fine with it they didn't care um they had their own particular reasons for it um and then percy wayward and visionary basically were like nah fuck that we shouldn't do it for their own reasons one way or the other we also ended up having conversations about new laws because of this and making sure that our laws were established because of the reasoning behind, like, the, how the humans were chosen for this. Because I believe we mentioned it last session, the humans that were chosen to have their hearts off were people who had committed vicious crimes mm -hmm. in town. 
And so we were talking about new laws. Honestly, at, it was the very beginning of the session, and I was uh, already done with listening to the debate. So I literally at one point wrote all the debate, too much debate, boring debate, blah, blah, blah. And I think I put my head down at that point. It was either that or the second argument of this session that I put my head down. I don't I mean, remember is which. that the point where the blah, blah, blah happens yeah. on, on, on the page? It's probably the first debate. Because the other thing that also got brought up is that uh, Craig and Jonathan, uh, Percival and Wayward, are both highly educated uh, guys. Uh, John has like a master's degree in Russian history and... Um, Craig is just... The man memorized the Exalted 3rd Edition core rulebook. He was literally the reason that we continued to run this game for so long. Because he knew exactly where the, every charm was. He knew almost exactly what the, all of them did if they got used more than once in the campaign. Well, because he had to look it up. Well, well, yeah, but he also, like... It would be like, oh yeah, I do this. Okay, well... Like, I could ask, hey, what does this charm do? And without even looking at the book... Craig could... I feel like Craig's that person that's like, we're going to run this game. Cool. I'm going to learn absolutely everything I can about this so that I'm doing mm -hmm. it right. Right. And it's appreciated. It, it really helped that game last in 3rd edition as long as it did. Um, But because of this, there's a lot of... It's not just the human heart stuff that made you go blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of they also wanted to basically start... The both of them wanted to start basically playing civilization with the game. Which is not what I want to do. I kind of wanted to run the town, and I ended up kind of running the town in the end. It kind of came my town, sort of. Uh, but that's not the point. I didn't want to play civilization You the didn't game. want to play civilization the game, whereas they wanted to set up a whole bureaucracy, a whole uh, collegiate system. They wanted to set up everything to make it so then that the people in uh, Sunshade, uh, the mortals, were happily taken care of and were treated fairly and with respect, despite the fact that they are solar god kings with the literal word from God from God himself, the sun, to go, yeah, no, do whatever the fuck you want. And these two decided we're going to make a utopia. Yeah. I know Visionary, if I remember correctly, did not like it because we were eating human hearts. He just, on a moral standing, found it wrong, if I remember correctly. Yes. So. Um, Behemoth just went along with it because he didn't have an opinion one way or the other. So he's like, well, sure, he's why not? He's also used to the, the fable shit. Yeah, so he's like, whatever, he's they're used humans. To that kind whatever. of stuff. Like, and Storm was just like, these are criminals. We were going to put them to death anyways or imprison them for forever. So why not make them useful? Well, I think that the first time that it ha had happened, the um, the first time that it had happened, it hadn't been criminals. I'm pretty sure it was always criminals. No, I'm pretty sure it was never criminal. That the first time, it was not criminals. I don't remember. I, I thought it was always criminals, but it's I, also been a while. I want to say that the first time, you didn't ask. You guys just kind of got this delicious meal and then learned that it's human hearts. That's possibly it. And then I think that John John or someone confronted the Baroness and uh, she just went... Per Percy and I uh, Percy and you. asked her, like, where the fuck are you getting these from? Yeah, you, and and then, she took us to the prison and explained it right. to us. And talisman reasoning was very much like the strong are allowed to subjugate the weak. Yeah, I mean, uh, as Julia mentioned in, in her uh, her episode here, Talisman started off as a blank slate, and literally, um, Star um, decided that he was going to, like, uh, entrust Talisman with, like, first stage kind of um, 
morals. Which is not great for because first what? age soldiers are awful. Uh, they they go awful. They start out great, but they go awful real quick. Um, the ultimate so, power will corrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, so the whole. So the whole point of this uh, little tangent is is that back in the first age, they used to sacrifice um, five people a day at every station of the sun every day of the year because that's how you give the sun power. Back when the unconquered sun is like back in like because you, you've got a you've got a dragon king running your yeah running your day to day operations. That's how she's done it for millennia. For all our incarnations. Yeah, that's how she's done it for all of your incarnations and all of her incarnations. Is sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Give the hearts to you guys. Very much like, very brutal, Mayan-esque, like, we must do this to appease our lords. And like, at least she found a better way than just murder everyone. Yeah. The other thing you have to keep in mind is, is that, um... Exalted doesn't work, like, and I kind of had to drill this into the heads of, uh, particularly, uh, Percy and Wayward, is that Exalted does not work off of a regular-ass physics system. Um, like, human sacrifice for the part of a ritual is a huge catalyst that will help a ritual actually work. Um, blood magic and, like, the sacrifice of, like, a soul and everything like that, hugely, like, instrumental in getting solar-level miracles off the ground. Yeah, and I mean, that's what Behemoth used, because he had those souls that follow him around. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge, like, catalyst kind of thing. So anyway, so they all argue about it. And I think I ended up putting my head down at that point, or just was doodling. I have a couple doodles on that page. So I, I, I think doodling. I think you were doodling, but then you also, when it, it got to the boring parts of, well, here's the laws of the city, um, you kind of just put your head down because you're like, we already know, like we're gonna be good, moral, just people. Not that lasted long. <laughs> anyway, we end up meeting one of our tax collectors. We oh, meet one of so, our tax collectors, who is a terrestrial. If I could interject for just one second, mm-hmm. uh, something that I forgot. So this is in the first, maybe hour of the game of like a. It was very quickly. Like we sat down quickly, for a meal, and then this debate it was very started, quickly and lasted like, probably like an hour. It lasted probably an hour into the conversation, and we have maybe the bottom quarter of a page that is this hour-long conversation that is really just setting the tone for the game to get really hostile as people are kind of go- diverging and not agreeing with each other and just getting kind of like heated a little bit yeah so anyway sorry for interrupting i know i didn't pay attention because i don't really care about politics especially a storm i care about like my little area because politics is not my my job right uh, as I said, we end up meeting one of our tax collectors. He's a terrestrial. And we learn that he knows the tax vault combo. And we tell him to bring us a list of who has access to it because, of course, we want to know who has access to our money. And so we have, I think, like, we ended up picking, it was to pick another person. To, you, you wanted someone to be the head tax collector, right? Yeah. Then. So our options were a liminal who, uh, I don't remember if we mentioned liminals or not before. We did. Okay. He has black, kind of, like, gray skin and is 
patchwork together. His name is Nikolai Constantine. Constantine. I can't talk today. This is going to be great going <laughs> forward. Uh, we had Odu Mahaka, who was an Earth Dragonblooded. He was an ex-guild member from Lookshy. We also have uh, Renault Heartsblood, who's a Fire Aspect Terrestrial, and he looks very battle-warm. And then I just have Kira, who's a blonde person. So obviously yeah. I just didn't give a fuck about her. Uh, no, no, Kira was... He, he, Kira is supposed to be just a generic mortal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so just kind of going off of the, the rule of reference, those, those last two are references. Uh, Renault is supposed to literally be fucking Reinhardt from, uh, uh, what's it's called? From Overwatch. Oh. Yeah. And then Kira is Kira Yoshikage. That doesn't surprise me. It's you. We ended up uh, wanting to talk to the liminal, but we decided to put that off till the next day. And Tally, to all four of these people, ends up uh, creating a minor intimacy to protect the vault combo and not tell anybody else. Because I remember them all having the vault combo, but we needed to pick a head person between yep. all of them. And, surprise, we have a Coliseum now, because Behemoth wanted a Coliseum to hold games in. And we talked about... Talisman build it. Yeah. Because she can do that. Because she's got ridiculous crafting powers. And we also decided everybody needs jobs. For so which makes sense because it's a town we need to prosper. And That's where the bureaucracy conversation started. Was everybody mm. needed jobs. And you probably just put that down as everybody should be given a job. Because uh, I think it was John and... When we get too in-depth in the political stuff, I just put the barest of notes because it's not worth me writing it, it's everything ba It's out. basically... Um, Wayward and Percival, who were the only people who had bureaucracy in uh, in the game at the time, made a test for every citizen of Sunshade to take to to determine where that they needed to go. Wow, I really did block that out of my because I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah, no, they they <laughs> determined that they were going to make that. They made a big role for it, and that's basically how that Sunshade went from being like. Just kind of people doing what they were already doing to people actually, like, becoming organized and figuring out where they needed to go. Well, then Visionary wanted a brewery, and he says that it needed to be devoted to the Castmaster. Oh, uh, yeah, because we did mention that uh, Visionary went off on a uh, weird quest. Lucky Charm quest. Uh, his Lucky Charms quest, and he got a cask of infinite, uh, base, infinite, uh, like, infinite beer. Which comes up later. That's relevant later. Sort of-ish. And he got this from saving the Caskmaster, the, one of the gods of beer. It makes sense, considering who the, the, let, the let, player was. Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, he was really into craft beers and that kind of stuff. So, like, it made sense to kind of give him that. So, like, he got, he got like, a free artifact, but it was, like, basically useless. It, it wasn't one of those, like... This is going to change the world. Here's like, this freebie artifact. Like visionary, or not, Wayward's, um, Wayward's artifact of, uh, like, like a multi-instrument artifact is way more useful than infinite beer. Yeah. Uh, and we end up, just because Visionary's been gone, we do tell him that there's a, that Neftolius' uh, terrestrial circle is in town, so he doesn't see terrestrials in town and freak out a little bit. Right. Because he would freak out about terrestrials. Yeah, and so we're all talking in our meeting room and just conversing about this. And for some fucking reason, we had a window at the time in the meeting room, which immediately got closed off, if I remember correctly. Or I we put, so. like, 
some kind of shutter or something to close it off eventually. Because this goddamn arctic fox, who's like six foot tall, has a little bit of a muscular form and short white hair, fox um, ears, a pair of fire wands. He's got the changing moon symbol and the moon silver, uh, changing moon symbol for lunars. And moon silver tattoos is just standing there. And it's like, hey guys, so, and introduction to the conversation, we're all like, what the fuck? How'd you get here? This is another one of those instances of the group is talking too long and taking too long, so I put an NPC that bar- that barges into their meeting room to get to move the plot along. Yeah. So he's just kind of like, hi guys, I'm here. What's up? And uh, I ended up having to remind Vision that we do have to send a talent of Jade to the Bull of the North, which we learned is a solar. And mm-hmm. we talk about sending a say you just take it. Or Dayman, whatever you wanted to call him. I used to call him a say you. But that was just my preference. You, you can call him a say you. I'm always going to call him Dayman. I know, because you like the reference. Um, and we talk about the Dragon King ruins that are also in the north. and To uh, the north of you, not in the north. Northish area. Yeah, uh, you, specifically they're talking about Rathus. Yeah, which comes up later, eventually. Uh, and then because Storm got all the information that Seeker used to have, she mentions to the group, this is where the group finally finds out about this, that there's a solar group in the south, which we talked about last session about the solar campaign you're running there. Yes. So now our group finally knows about that group, because Seeker was the only one who knew about it for a long time, until I got all his information. Oh, excuse me. I mean, I know that you guys were aware of it out of character, but... Yeah. You all did a really good job of, like, not just being like, we're gonna go to the south and just fuck with Brendan's other game. So this is uh, the start of the next argument for this session. So I'm just gonna explain a little bit about this before, and Brendan's not allowed to interject on this yet. Okay. So, for the sake of transparency, and because Storm's kind of the only one who knows this at this point, and where a seeker was very much, I'm going to hoard my information and just give it out as I need to, Storm was pretty upfront with I'd say probably about 75 to 80% of the information. Or she'll mm-hmm. be like, I can't tell you now, but I will once it becomes relevant. Yeah. Uh, she let the whole group know that there's an abyssal circle in town, which was the masculine interest group that had ghost, will, voice, author, and uh, uh, plague in it. Yep. And Visionary is vehemently against abyssals being in the no, city. No, no, not plague. Surgeon. Surgeon. My bad. Not plague. Plague is the later problem uh but yeah visionaries vehemently against the abyssals being in the city which talisman's like one of those is my friend and storm's like well one of them's been staying you know in town this whole time regardless we just now know she's an abyssal and we've met all of them you didn't meet any of them he did did he meet them he met author and author like came down and like he met he met them. He was there for the Killer Queen fight. Uh, which yeah. that game I forgot. Was... I couldn't remember if that was when he was on his Lucky Turn quest or not. Nope, it's the uh, session afterwards, after the Killer Queen fight, that he's mm. on his Lucky Charms adventures. Either way, he's not too happy about this. Which starts the second argument of this session that got very heated, very bad... Uh, some out-of-character feelings were hurt, and we all, we almost lost some people from playing the game in its entirety because of it. Uh, and... Well, we did lose someone from playing the game in, in its entirety. Yes, but we almost lost more than just one person. Yep. Um, and so, I don't know if you want me to talk about 
what ends up happening as a result of that argument, or if you want to talk about that argument first. So, I'll talk about the argument first. So, Visionary, who up until this point has been the laziest solar in all of creation. Oh, I don't want to do my thing. I don't want to do my thing. I don't like doing crafting, despite the fact that crafting was supposed to be my big thing. Me as, and I don't like... I feel like that the GM is almost like the unconquered son looking down on his, on his chosen and being like, like, I know that's really just like a very, like, really just ego inflated statement, but like, just kind of looking down and like, you look down and it's like, okay, here's Storm who's doing her, uh, sneaky night cast assassin thing. Here's Wayward who's spreading the glory of, uh, the Unconquered Sun. Here's Percival building an army. Here's Behemoth making deals and, uh, Behemoth slash Seeker making deals and doing all this stuff. Here's Talisman building in my name. And then here's Visionary who never asked for any of this and, like, is just... If you get the reference, uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution is just Adam Jensening all over the place, just being like, I never asked for any of this. Oh, you all made me a solar. I never asked for any of this. Bitch, if you didn't, if you wanted to play a character who didn't ask for any of this, maybe we should have played a fucking Dragon Blooded game. Because at least that would have made sense, because the Exaltation would have never found you if you didn't want it in some capacity. So. With that out of the way, of him being literally, in my opinion, the laziest solar who never asked for this, suddenly now is vehemently, just absolutely is a zealot against working with creatures of darkness. Okay, I get that. If he had been doing that from the beginning, this argument would have made sense. You would have known to keep that information to yourself. Yeah. The, but no, he had at no point made it obvious that he was against anything other than the realm and slavery. I mean, we were all against slavery. So I that mean, we was were all against the slavery <laughs> and the realm. But he had at no point made it obvious in any way that he was and against like said, creatures and of like darkness. And like you said, he met also, them. He met them. Why wouldn't yeah, he have and that he, and he met them. reaction? Why, would, why wouldn't he have had that fucking uh, solars know when they're up against a creature of darkness? Also, liminals are creatures of darkness. Why didn't he have this reaction when he met the liminal earlier this session? If he had had that reaction when he met the liminal, you would have known, mm, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't tell him about this. Maybe I should tell, like members of the other like some people in the circle that aren't him yeah maybe i should like keep this information to myself and kind of have a little bit of like a like like interplayer drama can be good if it's kind of like made like that like like if you like if we had kind of done that and then at the end of the session like add a character been like hey i'm keeping this secret from you like in in character i'm not gonna like but I want you to know that, like, it's not that I'm telling, like, basically been like... I'm not trying to hoard the information I'm not because trying I'm trying to be that person. I'm trying to do it so it doesn't cause problems in character or out of character. Right. And then, like, I feel like that if that discussion had been had, it would have been a It might have mitigated it a little bit, but at that point, also, Joe hated the system anyway. I feel like he was also looking for a way out. 
but he did it in the worst possible way. This argument devolves into him getting way too heated, way too in-character, into out-of-character bleed, him literally standing up and, like, getting maybe, like, two feet from Julia's face, pointing at her, like, pointing down at her as she's sitting down, yelling at her about how that this isn't how Solar should do it, blah, 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 just kind of going off for a good five minutes and this is where that i was longer than five minutes or felt like it it, it wasn't i made a big mistake in in this in that i let this happen not that not that i let this happen that i let it continue to happen i didn't interject i didn't have uh at this point um since surefire was there he honestly should have just opened fire on visionary Considering what we learn later about Surefire. Mm-hmm. He should have just opened fire on Visionary and been like, you don't, you don't, or, you don't talk to people like that. You don't do this. Um, the one bright side that I have to this is that I still have the recording somewhere and... It'll never see the light of day. It'll never see the light of day for multiple reasons. But one of them is the funniest thing. Just imagine these two people just going at it and just yelling at each other. Just like, like, like they, they absolutely despise each other. And fucking in the background on my laptop, I am playing from the Xenogear soundtrack on repeat, the Solaris theme, which is the weirdest, happy, happiest, like, Weird, goofy, like, 16-bit music. Well, because that was Surefire's theme song. Yeah, because that was Surefire's theme song. And it just kind of went... Like, just kind of just weird, poppy music. While fucking Visionary is just... These are creatures of darkness! How dare you! I can't believe that you would work with them! Just kept going and going and going. And, like, he's basically just... I should have realized that this was turning into, like, an out-of-character bleed for the both of them because Julia was not taking it well. She was very upset. Mm -hmm. Um, We basically, um, she, like, almost just left the game, almost got up and got in her car and left. Um, I think that we had to take a small break and just be like, this needs to... Everybody needs to cool off. Everybody needs to cool the fuck off. Go get some food. Something. So yeah, so main takeaway from this is that if you see, like, in-character drama and interactions are totally cool. They are fun and they can be super interesting, especially when it's like player versus player, in-character interactions where the two players do not agree on something. However, there are two things to take away from this. The first one is that you really should not be getting so into it that you are making the other person uncomfortable. Like, at a LARP, it might happen, but you're also, like, you're all dressed after, up in character. After care. Yeah, that's actually what I was about to get into, is, is that once it, the scene is done, once it, the argument is over, you need to take that person, well, you need to, like, Look, look at that person and be like, hey, I just wanted you to know we're still friends. 
I'm not mad at you. Might be pissed at your character, but I am not mad at you. You are still my friend. And you need to, like, make sure that these... You need to make sure that your fellow role players know that. Because if they don't, it it makes a lot of just... It, it turns a lot of feelings into just problems and just... And it makes a lot of problems. As we're going to see. Yep. So after that lovely argument, uh, Talisman storms out. She just shuts down, turns, and leaves. And Storm just being like, fuck all of you right now, follows after her. So now both the ladies have left the room, and the guys are just kind of like, that's a thing that just happened. Uh, where do we go from here? And, uh... Yeah, because it's almost like the girls ran ran this game. Almost like. Hmm. Weird. Funny. You and Julia kind of gave every... Like, everyone else was kind of like a lost puppy, and you and Julia kind of went, No, we're going here. I mean, it was kind of that. I was the only girl before Julia came around, too. So, there's that. Uh, anyways. Uh... So they, so Talisman is going around, uh, obviously hurt and upset, justifiably so, and as the crafter... She basically had a limit break without actually having a limit break. Yeah. She, she's a crafter. She built a lot of the stuff in town, even though she hasn't been with us for terribly long. So she's going around and slowly and systematically destroying our buildings. Yep. And Storm follows after her and kind of sidesteps a lot of stuff real quick to go and tell the Abyssals what's going on. And they decide that they're going to leave town. Because I think I couldn't find Talisman right away, Mm -hmm. so I ran into them first and was like, look, this is what happens. And they decide, okay, we're not trying to cause problems with your group. It's probably just better if we leave town. And we tell them, keep in touch. I don't have a problem with you. You haven't done anything to me that's problematic yet. When the day comes, when and if, that you do, then we're going to have a problem. Right now, you're fine. But I understand you wanted to leave town. I think it'll help a little bit. So they go and leave town. Storm eventually catches up to Talisman because buildings start to collapse. Like our Coliseum that just got built. Right. That ends up collapsing because she took out, I think it was like the linchpin, she said. Um, so just, yeah, she eventually just took that out and just, it went down. And so as our buildings are systematically falling down one by one, the boys can obviously hear buildings falling in our meeting room. And Percival has the temple surrounded that Talisman's staying in with guards, and he wants to arrest her for heresy. So let's just add fuel to the fire of this whole bullshit. Yeah! And because of this, Talisman's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. She gets on Doof Lord and flies off. Well, uh, as the Abyssals are leaving town, Wayward goes and finds them, and he kind of finds out what he needs to know to help with Delilah's stuff with the opera. And with Talisman gone, everybody else is kind of doing their own thing at this point. Storm goes to meet up with uh, the fox that showed up. The mm-hmm. fox lunar. We find out his name is a surefire wandering fox. 
and uh, Surefire for short. So Behemoth, on his side, ends up going through the rubble of the Colosseum, and he's, you know, kind of upset because, you know, he wanted games and stuff like that. He ends up finding a trap door and breaks the lock to open it, finding something that looks kind of like a casket inside of it. And in the ceiling, there's, like, spikes. Yep, spikes, needles. Yeah. Uh, he can hear the shallow breathing, and he uses his knowledge of occult to know that this is a f- that this is first aid stuff. It's, like, magic tech. It's not sorcery, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's specifically magic tech. And so, like I said, Talisman's flying off on Fluffy Doof Lord. Visionary decides to take all the Jala and leave town. And Behemoth follows after him. So, at the meeting with uh, Surefire, Storm, um, they just talk back and forth, just trying to figure out stuff. And Surefire gives Storm a job to find his friend that got captured by uh, people who want to sell him off. He's, his friend's a lunar. Named uh, Sher- Surging Jaws of Victory. I told you this whole talking thing is going to get me fucked yep. over. Uh, he also goes by Sergey for short. He's a lunar, a big guy like Behemoth is, so he's huge size, like 10 feet tall, 12 feet tall, something like that. And uh, he was captured about two years ago, and his captors capture lunars. And not only are they captors, they're immaculate monks. Do you want to talk about what the fuck immaculate monks are and how awful they are? So uh, the immac- so specifically the immaculate order is the uh, state-mandated religion of the realm, uh, which gives... Praise to smaller gods on specific days uh, to let them keep basically living because gods live off of prayer. Um, But you can't, you're not allowed to worship like specific gods. Like you're not allowed to just be like, oh yeah, I'm a follower of the the, the cast master or I'm a follower of 10,000 stakes or, you know, anything like that. You have to, as, as a member of the Immaculate Order, you have to be like, okay, cool. It's the Mars Day of it's it's the third Mars Day of the uh, of the month of descending air. So I'm going to worship the or I'm going to give prayers to the god of uh, the god of uh, the god the god of a clean bedroom. Yeah, gods like, have such minuscule stuff sometimes. It's gods so have such minuscule jobs sometimes. Sometimes they sometimes they deal with like really cool shit like city breaking, and then sometimes there's just gods of city smiting. Yeah, of of city smiting. I and use then, that as an example for a reason later. And then sometimes they have small shit like, hey, I'm the god of growing crops in this specific area. Like I'm he, the god of the wind and the grass. I'm the god. Well, yeah, I'm the god of the wind and the grass. Well, that's a pretty big. That's a pretty big fucking purview. <laughs> There's grass fucking everywhere in creation. Not in the south. <laughs> Not in the south. That's wind in the sand. Do you want to say anything else? Um, so the upper echelon of the Immaculate Order is the Immaculate Monks, which make up the majority of the Wild Hunt. Uh, they are basically Shaolin monks, monks that are given super martial arts that even when they are taught to mortals can harness their essence and actually use charms, which is something that mortals cannot normally do. True facts. Um, 
they're usually taught in a specific elemental style or a terrestrial style. So, like, either it focuses on either a specific element, uh, fire, air, water, wood, earth, or um, it focuses on a, like, an animal, like monkey style, crane style, uh, snake style, that kind of stuff. Um... They can't do. They can't use uh, special solar martial arts like. Uh, well, actually, no. They changed that in third edition. But basically, they they get huge debuffs to trying to use uh, bigger, bigger, badder martial arts. Yeah. Uh, and the Immaculate Order is run by uh, the Mouth of Peace. Yep. yep. Which is basically the Immaculate Order version of the Pope. Yeah, fucking mouthpiece. Fuck him. Uh, but yeah. So back to this. Apparently there's a, a 20 of them total, and Storm's advised to take out the leader first. Surefire gives her the location that it's apparently between here and Nexus. Nothing particularly indicative of where, just between here and Nexus, which is a lot of space. Uh, and that there's ten looters that have been captured. So Storm's like, cool, I'll take this mission. Surefire's mistake was not negotiating a price for this before she yep. left. Which is relevant later. So Storm goes and scouts out the area for about a week because everybody, this whole huge fight just happened. She's like, fuck this, I need some me time. I'm gonna go murder some people. <laughs> so she goes off and does her spy shit and scouts the area for about a week uh, while everybody else is doing their things. So, with uh, Visionary out of town, um, permanently at this point. Yep. And uh, I think that's when we came up with the cover story for it. Because yeah, Talisman uh, eventually came Talisman back. Talisman did eventually come back, and uh, yeah, you can tell them what the cover story so is. So, the cover story, and why the town of Sunshade, from this point on, is pretty much giving the middle finger to any Jala, is that... Before we revealed that Visionary was a Jala, and that him, when he left and took the Jalas out, destroyed all the buildings that Talisman had destroyed. They basically did a gigantic conspiracy theory level cover up, and because of their demigods, they can get away with that kind of and shit. And because we have really persuasive people on our side, too, we very much so got away with it. So now the whole town of Sunshade hates Jala. And actively, I, th I don't think they were quite kill on sight. I think Visionary was kill on sight, though. Visionary, visionary and any Jala that uh, sided with Visionary was kill on sight. So with uh, Storm off doing shady shit, Visionary gone, Talisman came back to town. Percival, Wayward, Talisman, and Behemoth end up going to check on this casket that Behemoth found. They can't open it, but they do see these draconic scales. Excuse me. So they go yell for the Baroness, who tells them that this thing needs to be plugged in um, and that it's not quite a finished product, but it's similar to Sunshade, which was kind of confusing at first. And she goes on to say it's not a dragon king, but kind of like a lesser god. So we, It is specifically a small elemental dragon. Yeah, so they plug it in, and these spikes go into the casket... And there's these little groans, and stuff flows in, and it begins to boot up. And now we have the lovely Sunshade Animated Intelligence Mark III, which is the defense for Sunshade. 
and it'll alert the circle of any uh, necessary modifications and like defense and maintenance and etc etc it's basically a uh, it's basically a uh, citywide artificial intelligence that uh, monitors everything that goes on yeah it's got a very uh, big brother feel to it yep and then I have a note about Mount Maru about the uh, current location of the IM network yes. The IM network, as I mentioned, yes, the IM network, as I mentioned before, was a seeker's way to immortality. Mm. Um, And Mount Maru is the top of the infinite. Is at the top of the. Is again, as I mentioned before, wasn't it visionaries things for? No, it was seekers. It was seekers. Um, So, as I mentioned before, physics and Exalted are stupid and weird. Uh, Mount Maru, uh, Maru specifically, is the old solar capital, which is at the top of an infinitely large mountain. How? Mm. Basically, you... Wibbly wobbly magic. Magic, magitech, physics, prayer, shit moving at the speed of prayer. I even said this is magitech. Essence physics, like, it's... It's fucking but yeah, weird. so they can use this network to just sense shit, which is kind of, like Brendan said, Big Brother and kind of a little terrifying. So Behemoth uses the if network. If you guys had ever uh, hooked that thing up to Mount Maru, you would have had a global... Widespread. You would have had a global... Ne- well, not global, but you would have had a creation-wide network of information coming in. I think we just kind of forgot about it. <laughs> you guys did just kind of forget about it. <laughs> uh, Behemoth ends up using the network to sense all the exalts and sunshade just to kind of keep an eye on everything and see what's going on. We do notice that, uh, like, Storm is out of town. They finally, because nobody's been able to find Storm for a week. And they're just like, where the fuck is she? But she's not in town. They know this for a fact now. Because Storm just kind of goes and does her thing but doesn't always tell them when she's leaving. (laughs) But they do notice that Surefire's in town. So, uh, the last little bit of this session is Behemoth going to Surefire and being like, where the fuck is Storm? All right, so next on to the next session then. So we actually had our next session on Easter because we're crazy people, mm-hmm. which was a Sunday, April the 16th of 2017. So the first part of this is a page long. Uh, I'm going to pretty much read and comment on a lot of it because uh, it, it took up a good bit of the session and the rest of it is very quick to get through sort of. But this is all about how Storm infiltrated and rescued a Surging Jaws of Victory, or Sergei, who becomes a big part of the campaign overall. So it starts with her going to uh, the uh, slave encampment. There's a lot of god-blooded there. And she ends up sneaking into a cave. Like, she's been scanning it out for a week now, so she kind of knows their numbers, their movement, their patterns, how the area is set up on the outside. She hasn't gone into the cave yet. So she ends up sneaking into the cave where the lunars are supposedly being held. And there's tents inside. It's kind of very minimalistic and basic because they don't need a lot. Because they're, they're, they're on the move, but they're taking uh, a little bit of a rest. I recall at the beginning of the session uh, with you coming in and doing all this, I was actually asking you for like a lot of description, uh, which got you a lot of stunts, which helped get you through it. Yeah, well, I, I like to be very descriptive when I play games, and I, and I appreciate it when I'm like, 
Okay, so what does this look like? Okay, is this like this level or this level? Like I kind of like to get a very good mental picture of what I'm dealing with before I do shit. Especially in Exalted where there's no actual map. Yeah, there's no map. There's not really any pictures unless you just pull up like the, I was going to say globe, but then I keep remembering that creation's flat. Right, a globe would imply that it was... Yeah. That it was round. But it's it's a very minimalistic. There's like five tents in a row, and the center is really well lit and patrolled. So she has to kind of like sneak in past the tents and kind of like the edge of it, so she's out of the light. Um, and the head monk found an artifact on one of the prisoners they had to keep alive because he won't shut up, apparently. And there's uh, corridors to the left side, and foot, and she has to like look for footprints to see what's traveled and what's not traveled, and it's just really hard to tell um, if they're drag marks or anything of that nature, like you know knocking people out, dragging them down corridors, stuff like that, because you know somebody's gonna put up a fight. They're not gonna want to be taken prisoner and shit. Right. Um, and moved around, and uh, it's just it's been a lot of time, so it's very hard to tell at this point. So she's just trying to see if there's a... St- also, because <laughs> it's just a funny part because I was trying to figure stuff out as her. She's trying to see if there's a strong lunar smell from any of the corridors. <laughs> um, and so she ends up just kind of going around and eventually she hears footprints. Or footfalls, I should say. And there's this person. So she basically marks them and kind of like... They're in a hallway, so you can't really hide the body. So she just shoves it to the edge long ways as much as she can to try and keep it in shadow so nobody will find it and just hopes for the best. So she just keeps going down the pass and it just diverges in a couple different spots. And she eventually gets to this room where she finds a monk meditating in the middle of it and there's this large cage made of jade in the background. But the room's pretty much silent. There's not a lot of noise. Um, I can't remember... If uh, I recognized the monk right away, but I do have his name written down. What was his name? Uh, Cesus uh, Riagu? Riagi? Riagi? Let me see it. Um, Cesus Ri- uh, Riogu. Yeah, that would name. That's totally what He's I said. He's from House Cesus. Do I totally said that? That's exactly what I said. House Cesus normally does not produce monks. Yes. House Cesus is normally the. Well, he, really I have his name written down, so I don't know if I if like Storm knew him or not. Uh, but he was an Earth monk, if that if that helps at all. Uh, I oh, think you might have heard. That's right, because he caught me because <laughs> uh, I was sneaking in because there's nowhere for me to hide. The Storm, and he caught me and introduced who he was, and she lied and said that her name was a uh, Catalina of House uh, T- House Tepet because that's the only real house she knows, mm-hmm. um, and. He asks, uh, what was the question? How is the wind, uh, wind speaker, wind walker? How is the wind dancer doing? Wind dancer doing. In my head, I was like, okay, there's two options. Either he's alive, and this is a legitimate question, trying to figure it out, or he's dead, and if I act like he's alive, I'm caught. So, if I remember correctly, I was just like, oh, you know, uh, I, I, he's dead, you know that, or whatever. And he's yeah. like, wrong answer, bitch! Yeah, yeah, because they're talking about a character that actually does come up later on, which is Tepetarada, the wind dancer, who's the grandfather to Tepetajava, and technically also... Uh, uh, Tepet Diego. And Tepet Diego. Yep. 
And he fucking comes up and like is at he he actually become he doesn't become Don't an integral. Don't spoil too much. He doesn't become an integral part of the story the way that like Sergey does, but he's important. Yeah. So we end up fighting because obviously my cover's been blown at this point. And as we're fighting, Storm ends up looking over and sees a guy in this cage. He has this Orchalcum like face mask on just covering his mouth almost like Hannibal Lecter yeah very Hannibal Lecter style but Orichalcum style uh, Orichalcum in the middle and and throughout a few rounds because for Exalted 3rd Edition it's very back and forth fighting with the withering and uh, decisive mm-hmm. um, after a few rounds the dude in the cage uh, ends up bending the bars out and grabs the monk by the throat and bashes his head into the ceiling and then basically Storm just murks the dude after that. Yep. Um, and she ends up finding out that all the other Lunars are dead from this person in the cage, who, by the looks of him, is who she's looking for, Sergey. And there's an alarm that ends up sounding, probably because they found the other body. Yep, that's exactly what it was. If that, if that, so I, I was going to mention this net, uh before but i'm gonna just do it now because it's actually appropriate i actually had a countdown timer on my screen until they found the body and then you had like three rounds to take care of it and take care of this guy until things until like things got out of hand and you had like multiple god-blooded immaculate monks plus a plus a dragon blooded to deal with just fighting him was enough for me just fighting him was rough we were only like essence two i think maybe at that point i think you guys just got an essence two yeah and uh, my whole tree wasn't in just martial arts i had a lot of uh infiltration shit basically but like if basically as soon as you ended that fight the countdown finished and i was like okay Time to, time to fucking do this. I mean, if I had been smart, I guess I could have, like, gone up to the ceiling and try and been on the ceiling to avoid the dude, but, you know, it's just easier to murder him yeah. at that point. Yeah, because I think you had the charm that let you just walk on the ceiling. Uh, no, I didn't. You didn't have spider walk? Uh-uh. In not... the athletics tree? Uh-uh. Because I had, like, one athletics charm, that was it. Oh, man, that that is the best charm to take with stealth. Because then you could just use the ceiling as stealth. Because how many people look up? Me. Okay, well, you, but... If you're in a place that you know about, and you're not expecting to get infiltrated, I, 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 If I play a character that's very, like, this character, like Storm is, I'm that person that's like, okay, this is what I would think to do. These are all the different scenarios I would think, so I assume somebody else is going to think of all these scenarios, and I plan for all of them. But I, I, most of my stuff, I had, like, I think half my tree in martial arts, a lot of it in stealth, and some in, like, infiltration stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, thievery, too. A little bit of theft. Larceny, yeah, for lockpicking. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the alarm ends up sounding, because they found the body. And, uh, I, we end up getting him out of there, and he turns into a giant tyrant lizard. Which is basically just the exalted version of a T-Rex. Yeah. And we're like, all right, I guess we're doing this. So uh, we end up busting out, taking on all these maculate monks together, and then I just, like, get up on his back, and we ride off towards Sunshade <laughs> together. And it's really funny. We're, I'm not going to go fully into this right now, but it was really funny with just the visual of a t- basically a T-Rex with a giant orichalca mask 
riding up to Sunshade and the town just being like, what the fuck's going on? High alert. People going out to see what's going on and everybody's just freaking out. It's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. This is friend. This is friend. <laughs> this is friend. <laughs> um, so that was Storm's side adventure that we did at the beginning of the session. And the Baroness, because of everything that had happened, ends up asking for a week off. She uh, <laughs> supposedly, we thought, to go see the Raptalk ruins. Uh... But it was really just to go and limit break elsewhere. And not in <laughs> elsewhere, but elsewhere, not the city. It was, it was to limit break, and by limit break, I mean she went and hunted down Visionary. Could not catch him, but caught up to the tail end of his Jala trail. <laughs> Jala trail? Uh, one of uh, the Baroness's um, abilities is for her to just be able to split herself from, like, one big smart Raptalk into a pack of hunting clever girls. Oh, man. I just saw a meme for that earlier. Uh, but Talisman ends up talking to a very condescending sunshade. Not the city, but basically the city. Uh, the spirit? It's, yeah, it's the spirit of sunshade. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wayward goes off and starts dumping flyers in his boat for other areas to know about our festival that we're throwing. Oh, yeah! This is when the Wayward gave up the ghost that uh, Sunshade was not going to be, um, that Sunshade was uh, not actually like a realm city anymore. He just gave up the fucking ghost on that. Yeah, it was literally, we're trying to, even though we're building this city up and we're not really being subtle about it, we were kind of trying to be a little bit low-key about it. Nah, fires everywhere! Now, now, now they know. Now yep. we know. Now everybody knows. But yeah, that's when he, while he was out, he saw the giant tyrant lizard riding towards Sunshade, and he sounded the alarm, and Talisman do, ended up, do, do, Talisman do, do. ended up freaking out, and, like, a lot of random goofy shit just ended up happening because of it, so that was when that happened. And a few days later, uh, this is just Wayward's little pocket of fun that he got to have. He sees an area that had had some combat, and it's the earth is scorched. Uh, he, excuse me, geez, I can't deal with today, apparently. Uh, the earth is scorched, and he thinks it's probably a large army that's been through here. So he goes down to investigate. He drops a ladder down from his flying boat, and the land is completely barren. Uh, there are multiple small reptile lizard-like footprints and it's a human encampment that was attacked. So he follows and he sees like the aftermath of multiple battles and it's headed south is where these, these tracks and all this evidence is headed. He eventually finds uh, one shrouded in darkness by a mountain of flesh. It's like a cathedral. So he basically finds thorns. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fucking thorns. Um, I'm still glad I wasn't there for that session. Oh man, I can't. I can't wait for that. That is gonna be. That's another just highlight of this game that I'm so sad we weren't there for. I don't know when that ends up happening though. Um, it actually might be between this session and the next one it because is not. because it is. well, then we took a two week break because this one was dated for the 16th and the next one's dated for the 30th. That's a two-week two break. Yeah. That, no, no, but remember, we only, oh, yeah, do, games, we only uh, do games every two weeks. You know what? I... 
don't you're, we're, you're gonna look for it. a month break yeah you're right uh so i know that it happens before obviously before wayward and uh percival leave and it's before that we do before that we switch over to the godbound system yeah i want to say that it's it's after volavat um I, I don't should remember, that place. I don't remember what the... We'll figure it out later. Yeah, I don't remember what the... the, uh, the um, we'll figure it out later. Big thing is after or honest, Honestly, you could just talk about that session whatever if we can't figure mm-hmm. out what yeah. it was. Um, but Tal- <laughs> I do have a note about Talisman's interactions with Lunars. Because Talisman looks at Lunars very, like, uh, medically and surgically, like, okay, how can you stretch your limbs out? Like, do you have these tattoos all over your body? Like, how's your anatomy? What's your physiology? How can you do these things? And it's just really funny to watch her interact with leaders because she kind of treats them like animals and specimens at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we find out that Surefire can turn into a white dove and that he can elongate his arms through the random shenanigans that happen. Oh my god, is that the is that when he does the thing that becomes his meme? Might be, probably. So, anytime that he starts feeling super awkward around the rest of the group, or he just wants to exit a conversation, and this is more of just a accidental, like, play of words on my part, but it became like a meme between the group, is he turns into a bird and walks away. Think about that. He turns into a bird and walks away. Yep. He also likes to do weird things like stretching his limbs out really long and, like, make it, like, super awkward. Like, hey, and just, like, keep stretching his limbs as far as he can, which is, um, up, I be, if I'm remembering his character sheet correctly, I believe it's upwards of, um, like, 12 feet for just a single limb. I don't remember how long it was, honestly. It was long enough that it made it awkward. It's true. Uh, we also find out that uh, when Sergei removes his Orichalcum mask, that he has uh, tyrant lizard teeth, even his his human form. That's his tell, besides being freaking huge. Um, so, after this all happens and Storm brings Sergei back to town, she sits down with Surefire, and he kind of tries to stiff her on payment. He Oh yeah, he, yeah, this is when the, you guys are at the at the noodle shop, and he's like, this is a great bowl of noodles, and then starts stretching. No, 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 that's not what happened. That's not what happened. No. Uh, he's like, okay, well, how can I pay you? And so Storm writes a number down, and she slides it to him, and he looks at it, and his eyes get really big. So he's like, I, I've got a counteroffer, writes it back, and hands it back to her. And it was like an, an immaculate or like an exquisite bowl of noodles was what he was trying to pay her for rescuing Sergey. And she's like, uh, fuck no. <laughs> So, At this point, did it ping off of you that Sergey was your, uh, was your, uh... I don't have it written down you that don't it have, does. Okay, so I want to say that it did when that you went into the cave, because that's something that would, like, immediately snap, like... But you have to remember, Storm just got out of a relationship with Seeker, who fucking dips right, and left her. but lunar mates are not... I'm sorry, a lunar bond is not necessarily a lunar mate. Yeah, she just was, because, like, denying the whole thing, though. Because, like, so, Surefire is Talisman's lunar mate. Yeah. And Sergei Which is... Which is, you just kind of spoiled that, but... You know, that, yeah, but that's why I mentioned earlier that it's like, I should have just had Surefire just open up fire on, on that. Yeah. Um, and Sergei is Storm's 
Lunar Mate. But at the same time... And Digby is... Uh, Digby is Percival's, Percival's Lunar Bond. Is there is his Lunar Bond. Because Lunar Bonds, Lunar Mates, all these kinds of things, it doesn't necessarily have well, to be like... it could be, be like romantic, a, it could be best friend, it could be your Moriarty... I've yeah, seen yeah. Moriarty before. That one yeah. was interesting to watch because yeah. uh, a friend of mine ran a campaign that I sat in on and he had one of the guys in there, he had a lunar bond to this person who worked the same kind of stuff that he did and that was his mm-hmm. uh, his Moriarty. Yeah, yeah. You could be like rivals. You could be best friends. You could be lovers. You could be people who work together and work really well off of each other. It doesn't have to be a romantic thing. Yeah. But she but, was just still kind of denying the whole thing. She's like, I don't need more people to worry about. Right. And but, her counter offer to the exquisite bowl of noodles was, nah, Sergey and you are going to stay here and you're going to work for us until you pay off that debt. To which Surefire was like, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't going to argue because, um, you know, his solar bond is there and... S- and spoiler, Sergei's not going to leave, so... Yeah. Well, Sergei actually ended up sleeping outside of the tower that Storm had her bedroom in. And I think we even tried to, like, build him a house and he just wouldn't do it. So we ended up giving him Seeker's room so he could be by Storm. It's like, there's a door and a wall between us. This is fine. Wait, Everything's no, no, no. Fine. No, what had happened is you had built a house, or Talisman had built a house, and then Sergei, using his um, full moon lunar strength... And his strength excellency moved the house house (laughs) foundation and all closer to the sun to the sunshade tower and manse, thus fucking thus slightly fucking up the geomantic lines. They're just like, you gotta do anything about this? Nah, just just nah. I'm just gonna ignore it. Maybe it'll go away. (laughs) No, he he was not gonna. (laughs) He was not gonna go away. He was not gonna go Go away. away. Oh. Yeah, and Wayward ended up coming home, and Tailspinner actually showed up. Uh, the good news was that uh, Tailspinner was able to make us a place on the River Confederacy. The bad news was we needed a representative. So we ended up discussing uh, who was going to do that, and we had to talk to our tax collector about doing that. So we had to talk to our liminal Nikolai about doing it. Yes, because Nikolai became the uh, the tax collector. Or you guys voted him as head tax collector, and then you went, nah, let's have this guy do our... Thing because I think I gave you all like stats for them, and it was basically like this guy is going to uh, do what that you guys ask. This guy is going to do what you guys ask, unless of course there's money involved, and then he's gonna focus on money. This guy is going to focus on war. This guy is going to focus on uh, like the betterment of like the whole. And it was like you voted for the guy. Everyone was like, let's go with Nikolai because he's the one who's going to vote for the betterment of the whole on the River Confederacy. Yeah, because we didn't have time to sit and mess with this. We needed somebody who's like, you are our voice. We will give you ideas, but we trust you to like represent our interests mm-hmm. and the betterment of everything. Yeah, whereas if you guys had gone with uh, uh, Oda Mohaka... Uh, the the ex guild member he would have favored in uh, in favor of like economics. If you guys had gone with Renault, it would have he would have always favored war, even if you guys told him not to. Um, if you guys went with Kira, he just would he would have been really open to peer pressure and being bribed. Yep, we made the whereas, right choice. Whereas uh, Nikolai had like morals, 
but also was down to help you guys. But also, like, if he thought you guys had dumb ideas, he wouldn't side with you. He would tell us that they're dumb ideas and yeah. why they're dumb ideas. Which is a really, like, depending on the solar circle you're working That's for. That's a ballsy move. He's a ballsy move that gets you some fucking respect from this circle and from some other circles that gets you killed. Yeah. I mean, for our circle, that was respect. So, because we weren't, we weren't good people. We weren't evil people. Not really. Um, but I, I also wrote here that Devin isn't showing up to the session at this point. So we go to Behemoth, who has been busy holding preliminary matches, uh, because he, like we said, he wants to hold a tournament. And he ends up sending word to, uh, Paris, eight and Paris, the eight and eightfold prince about the tournament because he wants to invite him to come because he wants to fucking fight him. Why not? Uh, Wayward asks why Sunshade is such a dick. <laughs> Um, and he says because he's used to being in charge of Dragon King Enlightenment, which is, was whole, his whole reason why he was a dick. Well, I mean, he's used to basically teaching preschoolers. It's so hard to get out of your, like, your, to his, in his mind, it's like, this is my job. I have to talk like this constantly to beings to try and enlighten them. He's a condescending person, though. He's a very condescending person. Yeah. Well, this is where we actually get into discussions of who descended as our rep for the River Confederacy. Because it was between oh, okay. a water aspect of, Natol- of Neftolius's Terrestrials and Nikolai. And oh, we decided okay. on Nikolai, but we kind of had to give him some makeup so he would fit in with the other representatives. Right, because, because he, liminal. Looks, he looks like a Frankenstein. Yeah. We had to kind of help with his undeadiness. I literally have undeadiness written written there because why the fuck wouldn't I write real words? Um, And then uh, for some fucking reason, Behemoth and Sergei, because this is the first time that Behemoth got to meet Sergei, um, they end up arm wrestling and they go all out on each other and they both end up getting 20 successes apiece on that match. (laughs) Yeah. And I think Sergei ended up letting him take it just to save face for him or something like that. And yeah, that's they when both, they started they both, their bromance. <laughs> they both tied, and, like, I kind of went, I'm going to give Devin this, uh, I'm going to give Behemoth this, uh, this win. Because, like, it's not that he could have won, it's that they tied. So why wouldn't the Lunar, who, like, wants to make friends with everyone here, like, just kind of, like, give him a good match and then, like... It was like, it was like, I think that like, we like almost RP'd it out, if I recall. And we just kind of went, okay, it's going to keep going. It's going to just stay as a stalemate. And then slowly it bends in favor of Behemoth. And then it bends back. And yeah. then it goes back. And then like, it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah, Sergey was, was trying to make boom. friends. And this was somebody who was in Storm Circle. So he uh, did the thing. He didn't know, he didn't know the Behemoth had been there for three sessions. He thought Behemoth had been there for the whole time. So why wouldn't he try to have fun? Yeah. Uh, and because we're holding this tournament, Talisman actually ends up making three championship belts. One for the mortal, because we had three different groups. We had the mortals who we were going to fight, the essence users, and then the exalts. Right. And, uh, Surefire ends up going to the orphanage and teaching the kids, uh, martial arts, because that was a thing that Storm had people do if they wanted to go and visit the orphans hey they're learning martial arts teach them shit so he ended up teaching them a gentle fist style yep and uh the baroness ends up coming back right before the festival starts and talisman does surgery on her to remove a thing from inside her chest that visionary had uh put in a past incarnation 
And so Behemoth, Talisman, Wayward, and Storm are all present for the surgery. Uh, Behemoth and Storm don't end up looking during the surgery because the Baroness requested that they not. So Talisman noticed that uh, she has, like, the Baroness has the Dragon King path to use artifacts. Mm-hmm. And that she's just kind of this giant weapon that she could uh, shape wood and do technomorphic uh, transcendent stuff. Tech- the path of technomorphic transcendence basically means that at some point during her life, a solar shoved a shit ton of artifacts into her body and then also put them in elsewhere. So, like, when it, she limit breaks, if she had limit breaked on you guys, it would have been basically her just, like, unfolding, like... I'm trying to think of, like, a good, like, reference for this, but it's, like, she'd be, like, unfolding, like, a fucking, like, Megazord that has all of its attachments. And just, like, here's, here's my death ray. Here's my cannons. Here's, here's my Gatling guns. Like, they're just, like, coming out of, like, everywhere. And that's also why that when the Wayward, uh, investigated everything, there were scorch marks. Yep. Uh, so while this is happening, we end up, the people that are present get these flashes of the first age. Uh, a visionary who, you know, in this incarnation wasn't being very nice to the Baroness either, but was definitely not nice to her in, in the first age incarnation. Uh, we also saw the rest of our first age incarnations, uh, were terrible, which they were. That they were just kind of sitting around watching and laughing as visionary was basically abusing her. And then we saw Percival taking the Baroness's kids and raising them to be weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Talisman and Wayward end up hugging her, and Behemoth punches a wall. So we're all very kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Very, very upsetting imagery is what I would say that I did for this. Yeah. And so because this happened, where we saw this whole thing happen... Talisman and Behemoth end up going to Surefire to ask him to bring proof that Visionary is dead. Or bring proof of Visionary's death. And we actually found out that Surefire has a major intimacy of can't let a pretty girl down. Yep. Which, I mean, Storm was average looking, so, but uh, fucking Talisman was a five-dot appearance. And then because of this, (laughs) um... Well, actually, sorry. There's a little bit. Uh, Surefire says that he ends up wanting Visionary's beer thing that we mentioned earlier as a payment for going to do this. And he says that he'll get Visionary's smash fists for Behemoth and that he'll get uh, Visionary's hearthstone, which has to do with his craft stuff, for a talisman. Uh, while this is going on, Wayward and Storm... Um... Oh, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. While well, this is happening, Weaver and Storm are uh, taking the Baroness around the festival, just kind of showing her a good time. We got her funnel cakes and took her on rides and shit like that. Um, you guys were basically trying to, like, coddle her and, like, be nice to her. Yeah. But, uh, so we have the tournament. And the winners for the human or mortal one were uh, Terrence Darby. The Exalt users were... <laughs> I feel like that's a fucking reference to something. It's a JoJo cat. reference. Of course it is. To Terrence Darby, the user of... I don't fucking remember, but he's like... He's he's Darby the Gambler. Oh, he's He literally has this... He is the source of the most English in JoJo, and it's the oh best. Oh my god. So the Essence user winner was uh, Angelus Tyner? I think that's how you pronounce it? Yeah. 
And then uh, Sergey won for the Exalts. And before the Exalt tournament, Wayward ends up performing this thing with Delilah. So we get to see Wayward's anima banner uh, for the first time. I think it's the first time. I don't know. Either way, we get to see it. And as Wayward finishes, Neftolius gives him the second part of the music that she just now realizes goes with it. And this is the uh, war part of the uh, opera. Um, so speaking of that, so the opera is supposed to be a, um, it's supposed to be a, um, basically an opera about the primordial war. Because the first part talks about when the primordials, uh, reigned. The second part, uh, uh, talks about when the, uh, when the gods went to war. Um, I think the third part talks about the warlock war that happens after. No, the third part talks about the victory over them and the primordial curse. The fourth part is the warlock war. And then the fifth part is um, the usurpation, I think, for the first stage. I think it's just the first stage. You would know better than me. It was your thing. So... Um, to be fair, I haven't had to make plot for Wayward Son for about two years, so it's a little bit fuzzy in my head. Um, so, um, like, uh, Surefire ends up going to Storm, like, approaching her about the fact that Talisman and Behemoth came to him and wanted, you know, them to murder Visionary. So, Storm being Storm had a dossier on everyone <laughs> that she met. Right. Because <laughs> she's a crazy person. And she ends up giving uh, a Surefire a small dossier that with helpful information to kind of help him do this. And basically tells him, you know, bring me his head to prove he's dead and your debt is paid. Yep. That's why he went to you. Uh-huh. I figured. Like, it didn't surprise me. Um, as Wayward gets off the stage, he gets an uh, immaculately written note telling him to meet him in a box. To, like, go into this box and uh, meet someone. He goes and it ends up being Voice, who tells him not to pursue this opera anymore. And Wayward tells him that Delilah will not let him not do that. So basically he has to do this because Delilah will let him not do it. And uh, Voice says that it's that this opera was banned long ago, and uh, that he shouldn't do it. Then Voice just crumbles and is gone. I'm assuming that was just like an after image or something like that. Yeah. Well, because he wasn't supposed to be there, so he uh, he did the Twilight thing that Twilights do, where they go to go to a Mance of Power. Mm -hmm. But since he's an Abyssal, he goes to the Underworld version. Yeah. He used his Twilight anima power to basically be there and then be like, hey, remember Storm told us not to be there? And he's just like, I'm out. I, and then I warned the that it wouldn't be a good idea to be there. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't know that Visionary's gone. So they're trying to be respectful of your wishes. Yeah. So I realized I, I uh, spoiled the tournament winners ahead of time when we haven't even gotten to the tournament yet. Oh. Uh, well, whatever. And uh, 
So, uh, Tally gives the Baroness some gifts, like a wood necklace and I believe some new clothes or something like that for her. And, uh, so Behemoth announces the Exalted Tournament, and he says that the winner has a chance to fight him or Sergei if he, uh, wants people to fight him. I also have written in here Horatio Kensington with his fucking social fool bullshit. Yes. Uh, and all we remember is the name and that it was a great fight. We don't remember him because he's a fucking sidereal. Mm-hmm. Because sidereals. Um, and Storm ends up recognizing some people from Look Shy, and some of them recognized her. Uh, and at some point, one of them gets in her face, and Sergei removes his mask and just roars at them so they'll leave her alone, which they immediately do. Mm-hmm. Um... And the, for th- the first instance of Sergey being best Labrador boyfriend. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot with uh, Storm and Lookshy, but we'll get to that when we get to that. And uh, so for the Exalt Tournament, all but one of Neftolius' terrestrials end up fighting. There's a lot of terrestrials in it. There's some exigent, some dragon-blooded. Um, and Storm's just sitting up in her booth, just making note of everyone that's fighting and working on her dossiers like the crazy person that she is. And, uh, a Seiyu ends up just wrecking face, um, so they end up pulling him out be- so he doesn't win. Yep. And, um, because he, <laughs> he ends up using a new martial art, not Righteous Devil, uh, something with, a uh, lightsaber, basically, like a beam clave and a shield, which was his dog. Yeah, he used, um, shit, I can't remember what the Beamclave martial art is for alchemicals. I'll look it up next time. Yeah, but the exhibition match is actually Surefire versus Sergei. And so Surefire uses uh, Righteous Devil style, and Sergei uses Single Point Shine into the Void. And Which, by the way, Surefire has way more martial arts than he should, because he's like, jack of all trades, I will fight... I will have, like, he's like, okay, yeah, I know Sergei. He's my best friend. I know that he needs to be up close for me. So I'm going to use fucking fire wands, which is why earlier in the episode we said, oh, yeah, he taught people gentle fist, which is like the gentle fist style is the equivalent of, um, what is it from Naruto? The, the, the Hugo? Hugo? Yeah, the Hugo, like the. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've used that also to, like, talk about uh snake style too with the, the chakra yeah. points and everything like that. yeah yeah but it's like he he's used that and now he's used and uh and now he's used fucking righteous devil and he has like two other full martial arts that i honestly can't remember that's stupid that's ridiculous he but he also the only other charms that he has because lunars get a very small charm set because you know they get to shapeshift which is a huge fucking deal yeah um so, like, most of his shit is just, oh, I'm going to just master, like, every martial art. Why because not? I want to have something for every situation. Makes sense to me. Uh, but their fight ends up going back and forth for a while, but Sergei eventually wins, and Talisman ends up tending to search for fire because he's kind of injured. Uh, Sergei, as I mentioned earlier, ends up winning the tournament, and Behemoth decides to fight him. Uh, but, so they're, they're going back and forth. These two, like, big 10-foot, 12-foot tall, like, beasts of men are fighting back big and Big, large, huge muscle mans. <laughs> um, and when they get in really close at one point, I think they, like, end up locking, like, fists or something like that. Uh, they have this really, like, quick moment where they decide to win with a double, like, a double knockout. Uh, but it was, like, a great match. It just took two fucking hours in character. 
yeah, it just it just took forever, and it got to the point where I, where we were just like, yeah, let's just have them win with like this awesome like anime like we both punch each other at the same time and get knocked out and it was like it was super cool yeah it was like a very anime moment which is what that fucking which is why i love exalted it's very fucking anime yeah but so the tournament's over all the belts are given out and after that a say basically comes up to us is like so uh what are you guys up to next like what are the plans where are you going from here and that's actually the end of the session yeah, because I literally, like, okay, cool. And then I just messaged the whole group, and I'm like, so where the fuck do you guys want to go next? Because we've been in town for, like, three sessions. Yeah, where are we, where are we going now? What's What adventures? What plots What's do you want to chase? What's the next adventure? What is the next? So then I can plan this in some... Because, like, the last two sessions were almost completely unplanned for me. Besides your... Uh, my my besides rescue your, besides your rescue mission for Sergey, completely everything else completely unplanned. That was all player driven content, which I think is fucking phenomenal. Um, so anyway, let's uh, we're Jesus. Oh, I'm just pe- peeking ahead a little bit at uh, what the next session is. The next session is Volavot. Yeah, I know the next <laughs> session is Volavot. Um, so let's um. So, Christina, I already said my fucking piece on the whole argument and everything. Do you have anything to add to that? Do you have any, like... The argument escalated beyond what it should have, and I feel like everybody's to blame in some capacity. And it just... I'm glad it will hopefully never have anything happen like that again. And if we do, ha- and if we do have something close to what happened like that again, we all we're gonna do. Stop. We all do also understand what aftercare is, and yeah. we're not going to fucking like. Well, I also hope that if we recognize it's getting to that point, we're going to stop it. Yeah. Before it escalates further. Yeah. Because I'm totally cool with you guys like arguing in character, but the moment that it starts being taken out of character, it's like, you, like I will pause the recording and be like, "Yo, we need to calm down. Let's all take a fucking like, breather." Like over the bus, like. It's fine. Yeah, no, no. That kind of shit, that's fucking fun. That's fine. Argu- so many arguments over that bus. That damn bus. That was like a good 30 minutes. That is uh, that is actually this Tuesday's episode. Oh, really? Or it's getting... Cl- no, no. Next Tuesday's episode. This Tuesday uh, finishes up um, the random adventures uh, around Salem. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned because we got some mage stuff coming out. We got mage uh, coming out this week. Uh, the only spoiler I'll give is you get to watch Rory drive a bus. <laughs> uh, that is that is uh, next week, maybe no, uh, or know. the following week because we all you have to do werewolf. is you get if you've been staying tuned to any of the major werewolf ones. Uh, my character is Rory and Mage, and she's like one of the few people that knows how to drive in our group. Uh, the next episode of werewolf and she gets to drive to Izzy's be... bus. If I planned it correctly, the next episode of Werewolf should be when the, you are exploring the Umbra of the Hospital. Oh, that one's fun. That's going to be not this Tuesday coming up, but next Tuesday coming up. I get to do all the fun shit. It's yeah. great. <laughs> I'm basically not in that session of Werewolf until the very end. And then I get, like, the spotlight for, like, 30 fucking minutes. And it's fucking phenomenal. I mean, that... Oh, is that uh, the, the singing one? Yeah, that's the singing one. Oh, man. Um, so anyway, so as a closer here, just to plug our stuff, um, obviously, since you're listening here, we are on Podbean at A Pair of Dice Lost. 
Um, you can send us questions and DM us on um, on Twitter at a pair of dice lost and at GM Crow One for me and Julia. Um, if you want to send in questions and not deal with Twitter, you can send them to a pair of dice lost at gmail.com. Next week we are going to actually be doing two episodes in a row. So if you want to hear your question anytime within the next two weeks, please get them in to us before the 29th. Yeah. Spoiler, I'm going on vacation for a week, and then when I come back, they're pretty much leaving a week after that. Yeah, we're doing we're doing two episodes on the 29th, and then we're doing two episodes on the... Yeah. Okay. You yeah, know, there's going to be like a month's worth of stuff that if you don't get questions into us by a certain date, we will not be able to answer them. Um, I am working on getting us onto iTunes and other things uh, before I leave. That is my goal before I leave on vacation. Also, I have some motivation, so I'm trying to get better about posting for Mage and Werewolf the actual notes that go with the campaign in case some people want to read along for it. Uh, it also has the uh, the podcast linked in the notes, so you can kind of follow along as you listen and everything. That I'm trying to get better about it. I still have a lot of catch-up to do for it, though. Yeah, I think you're on, uh, I think you just finished episode three of Mage. Yep, and I've got, like, yeah. four or five episodes of Werewolf done. Yeah. Uh, so you've got, like, six episodes of Werewolf to yep. do, and uh, come this Tuesday, six episodes of Mage. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm so behind. It's fine. I know I know that these jobs are not easy. Um, the other thing is uh, just please remember to like, subscribe, share, comment. Download. Download. Um if we can get these podcasts up to a certain threshold of people who are downloading on a consistent basis, um, the podcast can basically become self-sustaining. We can pay for our own upgraded uh, sound equipment. We can start paying for our own subscriptions, basically, so that we're not having it actually come out of our own pockets. I mean, we'd still do this anyway, just because... I mean, we still are doing this anyway. Yeah, we, are, we still are doing this anyway, despite... Yeah, just having to pay for it ourselves. But, like, that kind of stuff, it does help. We want to we wanna be able to give you all a better experience. Um, is there any other announcements that we want to make? Send us questions. Send us questions. Yeah, uh, we we love video questions. video games, LARP. I don't even care if it's about books or music or shit. Tabletops, what's your favorite music, what's your favorite video game, that kind of stuff. Send, send them in. We are willing to answer just about every question like 90 percent of questions 90 like percent of questions 70 percent of questions i just thought of like 30 percent of questions that would be terrible <laughs> all right well i think we should uh, wrap this up cause okay we're not listening to rant for like a half an hour about nonsense right more so uh, than I usual mean, yeah right um so for a pair of dice lost i've been Brendan. <laughs> this is a long fucking pause for your name. Yeah, right? And this is Christina. And this was Let the Good Dice Roll, Episode 7. We will see y'all next Sunday. <laughs>